Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. My name is Steph, and joining me are Gareth, Ricky, and Milo. Hello, chaps. Hello, Steph. Good evening, all. Indeed. Uh, So this week, it's going to all be about the Cups, as we look back on the highlights of our League Cup semi-final first leg against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge last Wednesday. After that minute of our lives has come and gone, we'll be looking back at our FA Cup third-round home match against Morecambe, and I'll desperately do my best not to slide any wisecracks into the proceedings. Honestly, what more could you possibly want for a weekend? Well, we weren't the worst team playing in white shirts from North London this week. Should just about cap it off for you. Thank you very much, Arsenal, for taking that prize. However, as usual, we start with our intro question. And that is, tell me a useless piece of trivia. Milo. <laughs> okay. You know ninja's costumes? The kind of black the black suit with a black hood and a little, a little eye hole. Um, the origins of that comes from Japanese theatre where they have someone called Kuroko, who are stagehands who move props around and sometimes play kind of incidental uh, characters. So, that, uh, so, so they might play animals or something like that. And within that, they would occasionally murder people or things like that. And that's where the costume comes from. Excellent, Milo. Thank you for kicking us off with a glorious piece of useless trivia. Gareth, you're next because your mic's muted, so I'm going to you immediately. Thank you. Um, so not only is this useless trivia, this is unsubstantiated useless trivia as well, based on The something... best kind. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, this is something I remember my boss telling us in a team meeting about 10 years ago. So there are 109 instances on the London Underground where it would be quicker to walk to the adjacent station than it would to actually take the tube from one station to the other. (laughs) I like that. That's really good. (laughs) So many places to go with that. But we are on a tight time frame. So thank you for that. Ricky, a useless fact. The earth is flat. I'm joking. Honestly, (laughs) it's all funny, no? That fits your brief completely. It's useless. <laughs> well, it's useless because it is the, the the words of a spanner. That's why. I, mean... <laughs> I was just joking. I thought you was going to find it funny. No, obviously that, you know, that was as flat as the earth, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. My joke. Sorry. <laughs> um... <laughs> I nearly pressed the ejector seat then, Steph. <laughs> I was trying to figure out if Ricky was doing his Stephen Wright impression there for a minute. It was so dry oh. that you know. <laughs> Sorry, that's all right. You thought I was going to say, I have actually got a bit of trivia though, and it comes but from is it um, my daughter this week. Is it useless? Yeah, it is. Well, it's pretty useless. It comes from my daughter, so it's not that useless. Otherwise, it might upset oh, her. So, um, it's how political. Well, she's in year four, and this term they've started doing touch typing, which is like quite surprising to me anyway, because I thought they were all thumbs and voice notes and speech recognition but anyway she's starting to type and apparently on a normal she said to me on a normal qwerty keyboard the longest word you can write along the top line is typewriter really well we won't have the time to challenge you on that that's useless true fact uh on the game is about glory but but of course my <laughs> you were feverishly uh investigating that as as ricky was no 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 i know Milo. okay which in itself is frightening i've quite I've, <laughs> really how would you know that we spent nights just typing things out from the top row, didn't we? Oh. And then I'm a, out. I'm a touch typist too. Well, I, I, anyway, I, I, I'm trying to keep this to a tight record, so I, I'm not even <laughs> yeah, going to go there. No, no, I'm not even going to go there. When anyone gets into typing, being a writer of 37 years, I just start, flat earth start laughing too. about it. Well, my useless trivia is that no number from 1 to 999 includes the letter A in its word form, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring that to the next pub debate you have, and th- and flash it around, and be the envy of all your friends or not. 
And now it is time to look back at the week that was. And first up, we are proud to be a Proud Lily White's Proud Champion. Proud Lily White's Proud Champions is a network of Spurs supporter groups and podcasts who will be champions for the Proud Lily Whites and their members across the globe. Being a positive voice for LGBTQ plus inclusion is something we care deeply about. Being a positive voice for inclusion and diversity is key to helping LGBTQ plus Spurs fans feel safe and welcome when following our team. Uh, and yes, I could not agree more. It's a uh, it's vitally important that uh, everyone feels welcome and safe, not just in in a, in a football stadium, but in society, actually. So it's nice to see that football supporters are taking this a lot more seriously as well they should. A fine example as to why proud champions are needed was demonstrated on Wednesday when, yet again, some of our fans sung tired homophobic chants at Chelsea. Uh, thankfully, the club were quick to issue a statement condemning uh, said chants, and hopefully we will see co- more communications this week and ahead of our third fixture against Chelsea. And our fans will actually take the time to listen to LGBTQ plus fans about why the chant is homophobic and how it makes them feel, you know, Let's put this in the dustbin of history where it deserves to be. And let's just remember that, you know, people get offended and people get hurt by this. And your point should not be to offend or hurt fellow supporters. It really shouldn't be. It's just not. It's not on. That's not what we're about. So be better. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing on this is that, you know, people ought to be able to be themselves in a football ground and life itself. And when chants like this are sung, people can't be themselves you know it's excluding people it's making people less likely to want to go to to watch spurs and you know less likely to enjoy the experience enjoy enjoy the game and you know we want it to be an environment we want spurs going to spurs to be an environment where we can all enjoy ourselves we can all have fun and we can all be ourselves and yeah that's why we need to stop this yeah i was just gonna say i mean i mean historically football has been quite blokey we all know that it's a bit you know um but it's kind of (sighs) I think it's bizarre that they think that anyone non-heterosexual could like football. I mean, the reason other people of all from the LGBT group like football is because it's the best bloody game in the world. Everyone should just be allowed to enjoy yeah. it. I can't see why why they would why would you want to make those people feel uncomfortable? They love the same thing you do. We will move on now to the Pushkas Award. Eric Lamella is in the last three for this year's Pushkas Award for his cheeky ribona against Arsenal. Will we be the first ever club to retain the award? I know we've asked this question before on the pod, but by golly gosh, we're excited at the thought we might retain this prestigious and hugely important piece of silverware in the football world. Hopefully it'll uh, help us get over the uh, bitter disappointment of missing out on the golden boy. (laughs) I, 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 I think there's someone on this podcast who still is traumatized by that moment. And and Ricky, is it? Has it feel any better now we're in a new year? That oh, it feels a lot better because uh, dear old Brian is. Um, I think he's, he's he stopped moonlighting now on the Get Back Beatles documentary, <laughs> and he's now back in the side. He's playing some good cameo roles. Getting back to where he uh, once been. Oh dear me. Okay, enough. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to do this rubbish, and I can't help myself, and I'm no good at it, but I will persevere. No, stop. Reset. Eric Dyer, always my reset. Always my go-to happy place with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And he was the subject of the latest episode of the High Performance Podcast. Interviewed by Jake Humphrey and organisational psychologist Professor Damien Hughes, Dyer discussed his whole career and life to date. Uh, It's pretty rare for a footballer to give such a long interview, and it won't surprise any of our listeners that Dyer is really smart and an interesting subject. Yet we, we highly, 
recommend it and dare you not to not just love him a bit more by the end, but really appreciate what he brings to the club and what he brings to the dressing room and, and, and just the person that he is. So look this up and, and, and spend some time. You know, it's, it's a long one. It's 90 minutes, I believe. Well worth your time. Uh, really insightful and insightful when it comes to looking at how a dressing room works. So really excellent, uh, an excellent piece. And uh, thanks, Milo, for pointing that out. I would have missed it, actually, this week if you hadn't told me. So it was a pleasant gift. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? I think Dyer comes across really well. Learning about the club, learning about what's um, going on and you know what has gone on. I think it's, um, there's a lot to pick up there. I think actually his interview part of it is only about an hour long. So you don't miss much if you zip through the first 10 minutes of uh, adverts for um, uh, high performance sports cars and what have you. Yeah, no, good. Okay. Keon Atete has been recalled from his loan at Northampton Town. The striker is 20 years old. He scored six goals in 23 appearances in all competitions during his time at the League Two club. Rumours are that he will be joining Colchester United in League One. And finally, we, uh, the game is about glory, and you, as fellow Spurs supporters, can all say we've welcomed into the world this week a new Tottenham Hotspur fan, as Ram became a dad for the first time. So... We all want to send our love to Ram and family. I think we're doing well. We're, we're, we're not even not even a year up yet, and we've had two beautiful babies. So we are probably the family planning of choice. <laughs> Who said podcasting's bad for your sex life? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And it does actually mean that every member of the Game is About Glory pod team is a parent. <laughs> so from that brilliant news... Let's look at the Chelsea game, shall we? Let's look at this semi-final that took place earlier in the week. A 2-0 defeat, which you know, at the end of the match actually seemed like a result, given how catastrophically we started it. Milo, what did you think of our lineup? Uh, <laughs> I think what I said to you when I saw it was, I've got a bad feeling about this. That's exactly what you said. Well remembered, yeah. <laughs> and... It's one of the rare occasions where I don't didn't enjoy being vindicated. Well, they're not that. It's it's not. You make it sound like you're vindicated at every point every week. Let's let's start this back a bit. Uh. It was a moment where you were happy not to be vindicated. I have, I appreciate that, but uh, yeah. The defense just lacked balance, and I was really worried about Sanchez centrally because of the amount of time on the ball that position requires within Conte's system, and it's just not what he's he's good at. And and I felt for him because he was being played out a position again which is um you know a lot of his worst performances have happened he's been deployed like that rode on uh, had a late fitness test evidently had bruised bruised ribs or hurt ribs so that meant he couldn't play you know that's the position that Conte has said that he sees him playing in so it was a shame that he he missed that so yeah I think that was a problem Doherty at left wing back meant that we didn't really have anyone who could take anyone on and you know wing backs are so integral to the to Conte system that it meant that we were you know hampered there yeah I didn't like the lineup <laughs> uh, Ricky I've got to ask you do you think that Tuchel mm. maybe uh got one over on Conte in the first half with with his system versus versus ours do you mean he, he seemed to always have the extra the extra men he always seemed to you know the midfield was completely seeded I mean they were press they, they always seemed to have a press on we didn't seem able to get out um I think they probably identified that like Milo says that the weaknesses with Chaffee and Sanchez on the ball there's their ability on the ball but um I think I mean I, I might stun you a bit here but I, I actually didn't think if you look back that we played that badly I know that's going to raise a few eyebrows but I think 
basically the bits you sort of thought would go wrong went wrong and that was defensively we were like terrible like that but occasionally we really did try and play out and when it got to Skip and it got to Hoiberg and then Kane was trying to get involved sometimes it wasn't as bad as it looked and of course they were giving us problems I mean they're a strong team you can't deny Chelsea a strong team and Tuchel is a tactical master as much as Conte is I think and I think there's some definitely a valid that's fair comment to say that he seemed to win that in the first half. It was um, it was very hard for our wing backs to make much progress up the field, mm. which then basically means that you're detached quite a lot. We've seen that in other games as well. It was it was a struggle in that sense, but I don't think it was <laughs> I don't think it was complete rubbish. I think we're still trying to do the things Conte wants us to do. But if the quality of the player trying to do it drops down, then yeah. it can go a little bit pear shaped. I think Chelsea probably caught us out switching to a back four. Uh, it looked to me in the first half that our players weren't quite sure who they should be picking up um, and then decided on nobody. So I think I think that was a bit of an issue. I think, you know, when you talk about the out ball, so much of our possession goes through Dyer and a lot of that is balls pinged out to the flanks. And without that out ball, you know, quite often he he has the most you know, the highest number of passes in the team. Um, so so you really lose something when you take him out of the team or take someone out of the team who can do that. I think that was the other problem there. Yeah, Gareth. I mean, oh, hello, welcome to the game is about glory. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we've been we've been talking so much we haven't let you into this. Um, but uh, I know you're about to say something. I'm also going to throw something else in for you to to get into as well, which is uh, Hoybier's performance, which uh, was probably not his finest. Uh, I didn't think anyway. But carry on. I know you were going to say something off the back of the Eric Dyer point. I was going to say in hindsight, I don't know what else I would have done with the team. I think that Chelsea went to a back four through necessity. It wasn't because Tuchel decided this was the best way to play against Spurs. I think Christensen was ruled out on the day before the game and they decided they only had the personnel available to play play four at the back. So for us to have gone to a four at the back, I mean, let's face it, I think whatever formation we would have played, we probably would have lost on on Wednesday night I think if we'd gone to a back four people we, including us would be questioning well why have we changed a system that's worked reasonably well for the last two months that Conte knows best again if you're worried about your defence then Hoiberg and Skip isn't the most aggressive midfield but it's probably a sensible one to put in front of a, of a back three that you're not too sure about so again I, I was probably more scathing than most of us on the WhatsApp group on on Wednesday night um and I think it's probably just a reality that Chelsea are a much better team than us, and for us to get anything against them, a lot needs to go. A lot needs to go right. Yeah, there's two points there that have been made. First of all, far be it for me to question this fine manager that I love, but I think he did make a mistake, and I think that it comes down to what we've all been saying, especially Milo, with regards to Sanchez, and that when you've got a defence that really only has one player that's comfortable on the ball, and that player is unavailable, uh, surely you switch to a system that fits the players you've got rather than try and make the players fit the system you want to play in that situation, which is exactly what happened at half time. He did switch to 4-2-3-1 and that seemed to give us a much greater foothold in the game and, and ended up stemming the flow that had come from Chelsea. So, uh, you know, it, was that an admission of Conte maybe knowing he made a mistake? I think the change at half time was to match up Chelsea. So I think that's what he's looking to do there. I think the option he might have had is... is um, play 3-5-2s you know, like he did against Liverpool and bring Winks in. So Winks does the distribution that our defence can't. That might have been a, an option. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I'll go with that. I think on Hoybier, can I pause the deduction, make me think that he might have been one of the players who had COVID last month. And I, I wonder whether he might be suffering from the effects of that the longer the, the tale of, um, of that bloody disease. 
is it possible? And I'll throw this as, an, as, as a question off the back of that. Is it possible that he's just not maybe quite as good in a Conti team? Is he not quite as sharp in a Conti team? I, th- I think he's following a pattern of other players that we've had who fulfill a similar role in the team where they come into the, the team and they provide something that we haven't had already. I'm thinking when Palacios first came into the team. I'm thinking about when Scott Parker first came into the team. They they did something that we didn't have. So we really enjoyed the fact they were there. But eventually over time, I think that their ability levels plateau a little bit and you actually start to see the things that they haven't got as much as the things that they originally brought to the team. And I think that's probably where we are with with Hoy- I think the other problem is is the person next to him looks quite good. Mm. Arnie Skip does look good, doesn't he? And he's new. We like new players. I think if Skip makes a mistake, we'd probably get overlooked at the moment. I think the other thing with Hoybier, he's played a lot of football. You know, he played fifty odd games last season and you know, went to the Euros and then I think those games in December, I think that was the first time he hasn't started a game for us since he joined us. It was, you know, it started a Premier League game. He's played a hell of a lot of football. So I think part of it also is just that we've run him into the ground. I'd like to get us to a point where him and Skip are rotation players. I think uh, he's more than capable of being a really useful squad player for us. Oh, I think that's the key. I think it's absolutely the key, I think, is that as a rotational player, and by the way, I think, uh, some uh, again, some excellent points made on him there, uh, especially when it comes to, we think of the fatigue that he must be suffering because he has been flogged to pieces and obviously playing for Denmark, very emotional uh, yeah. Euros for him as well, extremely emotional. Yeah. And he is a, he's not the sort of guy who's like in the team. He likes to be the team. Like he likes to take it on his shoulders, mm. you, you know, you get the impression that he would take responsibility for making sure everyone got their halftime cuppa if that was uh, something to be done. Like he's he's not passive in any way. So I would agree with that. I think that's probably a very fair point. The thing I'm going to be watching for is just, and we, when we compare him with Oli, uh, Skip just seems that much sharper with a pass and that much, just that much better technically. Yeah, Hoybier's got some great vision at times. He can find that ball it's going to be interesting. I'm going to watch uh, on that. I'm going to be watching those two a lot. But I think you're right, Milo. I think you know a rotation is is vital there, and we should not really have to go into games with both of them playing at the same time. We should be able to let the let the the handbrake off a little bit. There we are. Time to dust hmm. off that old chestnut. I think I think visually, when you're looking at what they're doing and what roles they're asked to play, it almost becomes rotational becomes almost as a necessity because both of them hmm. really do put in the yard. So you know, as I mean, it might be it's just a third rotation option for basically yeah. them too. Yeah, and and Winks is playing himself into yeah. consideration at the moment and into contention. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. Hmm. And we will obviously be getting onto that. Um, look, Sonny picked up an injury. Uh, he does, you know, he does seem to pick up an injury. Uh, I think it seems to be around this time every season. He seems to get some sort of knock. Uh, obviously, another player who plays a lot of football and who uh, travels probably more than most, uh, obviously, with the national team. Obviously, he's, he's going to be a loss. He's out for the rest of the month. How do we replace him? Who do we think we're going to use to replace him? Well, the two players who are going to be competing for it are probably Hill and Bergwin, aren't they? And... Hill requires a little bit of a change in the system because Conte seems to prefer playing his inside forwards inverted. So he prefer he, he tended to play Hill on the on the on the right, so he's cutting it onto his left foot. So that probably makes Bergwin favourite. And he, you know, the last time he started against West Ham, he had a very good game. So that's probably what I would expect. I was just looking back at his his stats. So he got injured when he came back from 
the first international break and missed a couple of games. But since playing against um, Chelsea back in September, he's been involved in 21 of our last 22 fixtures. Um, the only one he didn't play and didn't travel in at all was that one in Vitesse when Nuno took the B team out there. So there's a lot of games there, really, where ideally you would be looking to leave him out. But because it's something mm-hmm. we'll, I know we'll come on to, where there's a lack of options, we've needed to rely on him. And they say if he'd been on the bench today, he would have come on as well, wouldn't he? Um, so we're over-reliant on him. It was something that's waiting to happen. I, I fear that possibly the same with Kane as well, mm. that we're just flogging him. Kane's played more minutes than anyone in the whole squad this season. So, look, it's, it's going to happen. And I think we've just got to pray that Kane and Son don't get injured at the same time. Um, but I would say it's probably a mathematical certainty that they're both in probably what's known as the red zone, where they're just playing mm. far too much football and they've not had enough recovery time in between them. And it's a muscular injury as well. My fairly rudimentary medical knowledge here tells me that that could well also be something to do with an overuse injury. First 70 minutes today, and then we'll come to this shortly, showed how desperately we need a second striker, another you know, someone to cover Kane. Let's just uh, round this game off. One positive, one negative. Well, in 30 seconds, three, two, one. Ricky. Um, my negative is Sun's injury. That is a big, uh, a big minus for us. Um, but my positive is, if, I mean, if I if I was to box up all the kind of discourse and the sort of social media commentary and all whatever forum chitter chatter from this game and throw it back three weeks to after the Liverpool game and reopen this box, everyone would just say, like, what the fuck are you all on about? Because we were in massive distress about thinking we're miles away from Chelsea and we played a team that day, Liverpool, and everyone was then cock-a-hoop that, oh, it looks like we're back in the game. It looks like we can take these teams to it. So, And that's the swings and roundabouts of football. I get that. But I'd also even say from the manager's point of view that he did go quite... He did go quite low on this. He was quite low and quite down about it. And he said a lot of things he said before, but I felt he it was almost a slight air of defeatism with some of his stuff with this. And I meant, you know, I'm not putting that down as a bad mark against him because he's a realist. He's honest and he's a realist. So, But, you know, I'm just saying, you know, positive one week, negative the next week and not all of it, you know. It's true. Gareth. Positive was that it only finished 2-0 and there is in nominally a tie to play on Wednesday night. The negative for me is that we've just seemed to have fallen back into this, having this inferiority complex when we play against Chelsea and it, a few years ago it looked like we'd snapped out of that but now it looks like we're half beaten before we've stepped on the pitch particularly at Stamford Bridge and that just really echoed in, in what happened on Wednesday night. Milo? My negative is the central centre-back position. We desperately need um, a left centre-back to cover Davies and central centre-back, it's unproven who's capable of covering for Dyer. So if anything, if, if Dyer got injured uh, for, you know, was out for a while, we're complete unknown territory there. You know, the only person in the squad who's, who's capable of playing that position in a similar way is Rodon and he's unproven. That's a concern to me. Um, and the positive, I think Lloris kept us in the tie. Yeah, my positive is that we actually put up a fairly stoic and uh, resistant performance in the second half to keep us uh, in the tie, uh, which is actually less important to me than just not capitulating completely because uh, when we went 2-0 down, I actually thought it could be an extremely embarrassing and damaging evening. So it was nice to see that it wasn't that. Uh, So that was actually a positive uh, somewhere in there. Uh, The negative for me continues to be the lack of personality we seem to have when Eric Dyer's not on the pitch. You know, who of our senior players was going to step up and actually really try and take that game on and try and take take something from that and you know I, I keep on looking to players like Harry uh, to to show more 
in these moments. Uh, I thought the first half he was uh, really, really uh, just poor. Um, and I, th- I suspect that he might have got a rocket at half time because he certainly was a different player. Obviously, the formation change made some difference. But I just sometimes feel we lack personality. So we've dealt with uh, one cup match. Let's deal with the FA Cup third round tie we just played against Morecambe at the lane. And let me just go straight to it. Uh, we, you know, had this uh, experimental lineup, uh, you know, partially foisted on us, I would say, but also mostly because we were hoping that today was a day that we could uh, maybe not relax. Every football match is a competition, but, you know, allow some of our squad to show their wares, if you will. So that being said, Gareth, tell us what you thought of the uh, Warefield selection that was made for the game against Morecambe. Uh, I, he, Conte clearly decided that he needed to give members of the first team squad the opportunity to play today, which I think is a shame. Um, I think it shows a bit of a mistrust in our youth academy players, really playing against the team that were fourth from bottom in League One. It should have been a really good opportunity to see the likes of Dylan Markande, Dane Scarlett, I know he played two minutes at the end, uh, Alfie Devine, who featured at this stage of the competition last year, Jack Clark, Harvey Wyatt, um, even perhaps one of the goalkeepers. But but we, we couldn't because we've got this bloated squad at the moment uh, and he either feels obliged to um, or he's got more faith in players in the squad who really have proven time and time again that they can't be trusted to, to play together, to, to, to formulate a, a fluid performance. It looked like a sluggish European performance. Again, sluggish, disjointed, uninspiring and really it looked like a Europa League team and we got a Europa League performance out of it. Wow, that is a storming uh, take on it, and one that I hadn't considered. And I have to say, there's plenty to agree with there. I think you've brought some, brought up some great points, Ricky. Come off the back of that. Well, I think last week I was bemoaning the kind of lack of touch players we have in the team, and well, they were all out there today: Lo Celso and Dembele, Hill, Sessignon, and Winks. People that you would consider has got a lot better first touch and can play in tighter spaces. And um, and we had plenty of possession again. Obviously, playing against another part part of the bus team, and we kind of knocked it about, but we weren't massively creative. And I think that was once again lacking that last final incisive pass, which is the other thing I've bemoaned about against probably the second half of Southampton and the Watford game. Um, I mean, you do have to consider that I don't necessarily think sort of breaking down part of the bus teams is part of the general way that Conti wants to play anyway. He'd rather the game probably be a bit more end-to-end and expensive. But um, it is what it is. And if those teams are there, we do have to break them down. And I don't think any of the players today did many of the things well in the way that I thought they would. Yeah, Milo, we've talked about the setup of the game. What did you think of it? What did you think (laughs) of the game game itself? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, as you're sitting there watching the first half unfold, what were you... I mean, I know I can actually Um, tell you, quite honestly, I got up and changed the cat box at one point during the first half, which is possibly something I shouldn't share, but... I thought you were going to say channel for a minute. (laughs) No, no, no. We really lacked a focal point. Not having someone to cover for Kane when he's not starting was a real problem. Delhi and Hill tried, but it's neither of their positions. Um, And I think because of that... Just everything was flat. There was no one really to, to play. There was no out ball particularly. And, you know, it was defence against attack up until they scored, really. It, yeah, it was just a flat performance, which, again, you know, we've come to expect when we see... Um, and how many changes do we have today? It was 10 changes, wasn't it? No, Doherty started the one before, didn't he? So nine changes. So nine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nine changes, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, they they look like strangers, don't they? Yeah, and I think we predicted it in, in our chat thread. I think we'd sort of all agreed that, you know, well, this is going to be a game where Lucas is going to come on and basically uh, take the game on and, and, you know, create and do something because he's basically unafraid to run at players and take them on. And frankly, against Morecambe, uh, you should be able to open up your legs and show your class, which he did. Oh, sorry, sorry, sir. No, I was just going to say, should we talk a little bit about the wing swap? Mm. We're here. Talk about the wing swap. Well, um, I mean, I do find it slightly bizarre because naturally you are thinking that you are coming into crowded areas against a team that parts back. But if you do cut in and you're going to deliver it first time, then today it was who are you going to be delivering it to? Because mm. I know Kane came on in the end, but it wasn't really at the start of the first. We did that right from the start of the second half. And we, I think it was the second half of Southampton we did this as well. That's right. It? And I think Doherty, Doherty mm. actually does do quite well on that left mm-hmm. side with that kind of manoeuvres and the shape he can the shape he can get crosses on from that side. But I'm still not sure. I mean, it's, it does. I mean, if Nuno did it, we'd all be really moaning, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. It's obviously something Conte wants to try because it's, it's the second time he's done it. And mm. I was wondering whether it was in order to try and get us moving forwards quicker because Doherty on the right. He's not taking on men, so he, he's often playing very, very safe passes inside and then not making a run. And I, I, I was wondering whether the reason he's doing it is because it means that they cut inside and either cross, or sorry, play a, a ball from deep into in, into the box, or they're taking a shot on and then there's something to chase to follow up, just to try and speed up our play. And, you know, that's something you picked up on the first half, Steph, about how, how slow we were and how ponderous in possession. And maybe it's just a, 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 an idea to try and break that up and get us to be a bit more direct and get the ball forward quicker. I mean, the other thing I did see was that occasionally, I think the, the wing back comes in and then even Ben Davis might run with them around run around the outside of him but I don't know it's a good thing to have brought up I'm glad that we discussed it so I think we're all agreed that the game itself you know played out the way it did we had to bring on the big guns we ended up winning 3-1 Lucas did what Lucas does Harry scuffed the goal in Uh, well did scruff one he's quite nice shot but you know it turned out in the end okay but what is interesting is we do have a list of players that I think we all agree are in the shop window. But why don't we uh, go through these names quickly and see if any of them enhanced their reputation with their performance in today's game against Morecambe and maybe gave Antonio Conti something to think about with regards to possibly keeping them. We'll start with Gallini. Milo, yes or no? Do you think he's improved his chance of staying or not? And if not, why? No, I don't think he had. I think he was to blame for the goal. Rodon was looking for him to come and collect it when he kicked it behind for the corner and he was slow out for it. Um, I don't think he could have done much about the uh, shot itself. He didn't command his area. He didn't look confident. His defence didn't look like he had confidence in him. Yeah, I'd, I th- if, if we can cancel his loan this, this month, I think we should. Do we all agree? Yeah, the Galini experiment hasn't worked. And I think on a side note, what we need to do really is get Loris done, basically. Mm. We need him to hang around longer. It sounds like it's going to be. I hope so. Okay, great. So we're all in agreement. Galini, thanks very much. Off you go. Joe Roden, Gareth. I thought we did okay. I think the the type of game it was today, the defenders were never going to be tested on their defensive abilities. It was all going to be about how much they could affect the game with the ball at their feet. They were, weren't really put under any pressure. Um, so it was going to be... Roden is the central defender. Say so he was probably six out of ten. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it moves the story on with Roden one way or the other today. Are we in agreement that Roden didn't do anything today to improve his chances of sticking around? I don't think he did anything to make them worse. So we'll put Joe Roden in the not binary uh, uh, transfer decision category and say that he did well enough under the circumstances. Why don't we agree on that and move on to our yeah? Sound good? I think it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. All right, it's okay. And we can move on to um, well. To the much maligned Doherty uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, Milo. <laughs> it's funny how the, it's funny how the dial has landed. It's funny how the <laughs> dial has landed on Doherty for you, isn't it? Uh, go on, off you go. <laughs> he didn't imp- do anything to improve his uh, prospects today. He, he's one of the players who should have been able to boss his his flank, and he didn't. Um, he was slightly better in the second half is about the kindest I can say to him. He's just not good enough. Yeah. We're all in agreement, really, aren't we? In his time here, it's never lifted off for him. So yeah. it's just kind of, yeah. It's unbelievable. I still think if they ever remake The Road, uh, that book by Cormac McCarthy, I still think that he would be a the lead character. He'd be brilliant. He just always looks in great pain and anguish. So anyway. <laughs> uh, did you see Did you see someone photoshopped um, the scream with his face on it earlier in the season? <laughs> And... No, I want to see that. Oh my word! I've got to see that. Be great. <laughs> you do catch his face in the background when they've got some shots of other players, and sometimes he's got that kind of look on his face. It's almost—I sometimes think it looks like he's almost got like an imposter syndrome face, as though he's mm-hmm. like, "I'm got—I'm got a clue what, what I'm meant to be doing here," kind of thing. You know? Do you know what he, lo- he looks? Um, he looks absolutely petrified when the ball comes to him. He's petrified that he's going to roll under his foot and go out for a throw, and he's going to be booed. So he concentrates so much on making sure that he does a very, very fundamental thing by trapping it and then giving it as the most simple pass mm. uh, available. Yeah, he, he he's just totally av- avoids any opportunity to be ridiculed or to take a chance. Um, I mean, let's be fair to him. It was him that won the free kick that Wink scored from. Look, before I forget this, if anyone at the Games About Glory wants to Photoshop his face into the Mona Lisa, I'd be a willing, uh, I'd be a willing <laughs> recipient of that, of that <laughs> image. I'd love to see how that looks. Um, but... You know, yes, I, I think, you know, this podcast is all about trying to be positive where we can and find, you know, a potentially mitigating circumstance. I don't think we can find any mitigation for his continued low value performances in that sense. But you're right, Gareth. He did show up and he did, you know, he motored on a little bit in the second half. And credit to him. You're absolutely right. He helped get us forward and helped get us ahead in the game by winning that free kick. But he's gone, right? Mm-hmm. Did nothing oh, yeah. today. Okay. Mm. Um Yep. I'll start. I mean, I'll, look, I'll make the quick comment on Lacelso here before we move on to the the last two players and discussion. Uh, I think Gio Lacelso is so frustrating. You look at him, you look at his motion, you look at his touch. There is definitely a footballer in that in that player. But I have to tell you, based on today's performance uh, against the side that you know, I think a player such as himself should be able to dominate or at least show the appetite to dominate, uh, he just didn't show me enough. And for me, he's done absolutely nothing to convince Conti that he should remain, you know, if alternatives can be found. He got an assist. I thought Lo Celso did okay today. And in the pro- post-match press conference, Conte was talking about him using the game for him to try and regain fitness after being injured. I would say that it was probably a 5 out of 10 performance, but I don't think 
I don't think he's in a worse position in terms of uh, his position within the squad uh, with Conte following that performance than he was before. Well, I completely disagree. And I think a player of La Celso's class should be coming into a game like this against Morecambe, out, having been out of it or for as long as he has or whatever. Regardless, he should be coming in and he should be showing a lot more than he did today. And he should be able to create a lot more than he did. And one assist against Morecambe, for me, sorry, it's not enough. I mean, I, the only reason, I do hold out some hope for La Celso, mainly because I do watch some Argentina games and he is bloody good in them. But then that makes me question, is, is he good in them because of motivation? Because he's obviously clearly very motivated to play for Argentina. And I'm just hoping, because I would never have doubted him when he first joined. I thought he looked like a player that was aggressive, had a lot of energy, that kind of thing. But I'm now beginning to wonder whether he has that level of motivation to play for us. And of course, if you haven't, then Conte will not like you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Well, I, I suppose the jury's out then. We don't seem to be able to come to an agreement. Uh, we are now going to come on to Tangi and Dombele. Milo, why don't you kick us off on, on Tangi today? It felt like that was probably the last time we're going to see him in a Spurs shirt. I think it's going to be difficult to see him coming back from being booed off the field. Um, it felt a bit like... Situations were different, but it felt a bit like when um, Garley threw the shirt on the floor and the crowd's reaction to that. And I think the risk is is that in the next, if he, if we see him again, there's a risk that he gets booed onto the field rather than booed off it. Um, so I think probably for all concerned, um, it's best if we find a move away. The problem's going to be, you know, the fee we paid for him and the 200k a week he's on. I think probably it's most likely to be a loan, and it's probably a loan where we're picking up half his wages. Well, I think that's solid. I agree with that, Gareth. What my only thought was, um, La Celso suddenly looked better once Kane and Lucas Moura and Skip were on and the intensity level raised quite a bit. And also Morecambe's players got therefore much more tired as well. Um, I do wonder whether it had been La Celso had come off and Ndombele had stayed on, whether we would have seen an upturn in Ndombele's output in the game at the end as well. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I, you can put him and La Celso in the same category quite a bit, not... For, for no better reason they resigned at the same time but I think they're players that you look at and you want them to take the game by the scruff of the neck and yet it seems they're looking around waiting for inspiration you know, around them and you end up in this state of paralysis in an attacking motion where no one's actually taking the game by the by the scruff of the neck um, I mean and characteristically today Ndombele passes were getting missed I mean normally one of the, one of the things you can say for him is that he can hit a really good pass he, he gets the weight of it right he gets the uh, the angle of it right but he didn't today he was misplacing passes and that perhaps he just had a he, he just had a bad day at the office but I think there's enough that's happened before already that it's just part of this ongoing pattern where you're never seeing the player that we thought we were getting in the first instance I think we will see him in a Spurs shirt again um, but I think the reason for that is I think we're really going to struggle to shift him in this transfer window and I think when you've got an asset like that who you know can be that real mercurial talent that he can almost become your Hail Mary pass when you really need something in 15 minutes so I wouldn't put it past him to to play against Chelsea on Wednesday night and be absolutely brilliant and create something out of absolutely nothing. It could be like the Ricky Velia between the Man City first game and second game back in you know back in 1981. I wouldn't rule that out with him. He he is that sort of talent. But yeah, today um, he he's kind of really shot himself in the in the foot with what happened when he was substituted. It's a it's a very sorry episode. Yeah, I mean to pick up on Sonic Garrison there. He is the type of player that you want to kind of you want him to demand the ball. 
and then you can imagine him the, the game running through him and he and that's the player he should be and whether he's not got the character for that I'm not quite sure but either way I think uh, I don't think he's getting good vibes from the manager for starters so psychologically I don't think that's helping him and I'd boil it down today to just say I think he checked out today I think you make a you make a very interesting point about and I'm I'm guilty of this as well I look at him and I'm like you've got it all take this game by the scruff of the neck you know this is your game this is your day and I've looked at him repeatedly like that and I'm finding myself wondering if that is because we paid 60 million for him and he was wanted by Barcelona as much as have I really paid attention to the player that he is he may not be that kind of person he may be someone who as you said Gareth plays much better when he's surrounded with a concert of great players uh, and and he's not talismanic in the way that perhaps we expect him to be. And I found myself questioning, like, why do I expect him to be this guy? He hasn't been that guy. He's never shown that he will be that guy. He's got this mercurial talent, but I'm looking for him to show it in a way that maybe he is not the personality to be. Do you know what I'm saying? Am I making sense here? You know, you want him to be a lion and a warrior, and maybe he's just an exceptionally talented footballer who needs great players around him in order to function and cannot take games by the scruff of the neck. And perhaps his price tag is making us all think he's more than he actually is. Is that possible? I was just going to add, I mean, the other thing I've said before is he always looks like quite often that he's got thing, he's got other things on his mind when he's on the pitch. He's got things on his mind. Because when you look at someone like Winks or Hoiberg, they're 100% laser focus head in the game. And Tango is just, sometimes he's fiddling with his shorts so he's doing that or he's, he's just not, you know, he's, it's not like he's... He's not like he's surveying the game and wanting to be completely inclusive of it. When the ball comes his way, he'll be involved. But it's not like he's going looking for it and, as you say, like trying to dominate. I think, Gareth, you were bringing up his academy history. Well, I, th- I think he, largely he didn't have the same academy upbringing that 99% of other pros do. Um, he's, a st- he's a street footballer. Um, but I think that perhaps some of the... Some of the experiences you gain as an academy player. So, I mean, Jaffet Tanganga is an example of a player who I know on at least one occasion thought he was about to be shown the door at Spurs. So that resilience that I think you naturally develop being in that system where you've got to be one of the best two players in your group week in, week out. You're competing with peers who are perhaps not on your on your technical level, but physically, um, mentally and tactically they may be. And he's he will have missed out on that experience probably as a teenager going through the game and now he's come into a system where perhaps he's existed in a bit of an echo chamber um, and now suddenly he's in a very very pressurized situation um, he's also playing in a country that he's not familiar with where the language and the culture are slightly different as well and I think perhaps all those things mm-hmm. um, come to the fore that you know this isn't the case of the club not doing their due diligence when they signed a player it may just be that his set of circumstances and his upbringing is is, is so unique that the way to get the best out of him is is something that there's not a blueprint for. Mm. He, he's also lost his mates, hasn't he? Aurier and Sissoko were they were quite quite tight, and they they left in the summer. So I mean that might have an impact. The thing that I was just going to say is that you know the the problem from Dembele is that he's you know as we all said he's an individualistic player. He plays on instinct, and he's got a manager there who's a very very strict systems manager. Yeah, and it's yep, quite quite point. difficult for 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 him to fit within that system, and that's why yes. you know a few a few weeks ago, I was, or you know, a month or so ago, I was saying that it might take him a while to settle into that. But I think probably we ought to be seeing a little bit more. I'm not saying the finished article, but we ought to be seeing a little bit more. 
Um, yeah, I think it's over for him. Yeah, and I think, again, this is where it's really important that we focus on the initial sort of question, which was, has the player today against Morecambe done enough to change the manager's mind about where he might sit in the pecking order? And I think we're all reluctantly saying that in this case, uh, most certainly not. Uh, but whilst at the same time, I think we are finding some potential mitigating reasons as to why he was so curiously adrift of the game today. So, you know, hopefully somewhere in there, everyone will find, uh, you know, <laughs> an, an answer to the Tangai question. Yeah, he'll he'll be good somewhere. He'll come good somewhere at some point. Yeah, yeah, but it won't be with us. Hopefully somewhere in there, there are some answers to the Tangai question that make sense uh, for you. Uh, we have two more players, not one more. I can't count. Let's go to Jafet Tanganga first um, and talk about whether his performance today might have uh, encouraged Antonio Conte to think twice about having him on the older uh, potential out list. Uh, Ricky, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, poor old Jafet. He's definitely had a wobbly week and today wasn't really that much better. I think he takes a large share of blame for their goal. He is, I don't think, I think we're going to have to look to do something with him, whether that's sell him or loan him, because I think now it gets to the stage that he needs football and he probably, and if Romero comes back, then he's route to the first team to get football for us, considering we're out of the conference league as well, is minimal. Uh, I think, yeah, that's what we need to do. I think he needs football. He's 22. He needs more football. So if Conte's a kind man, he'll see that as well. Yeah, nicely put. Milo, what do you think? Yeah, his touch and his passing isn't good enough for a Conte side. It's not what Conte wants in his um, centre-backs. If we bring in a left centre-back, I think we get a shot of him. And I don't think he's got a future with us, sadly. So I think think it's best that he moves on. And I think he'll be a really good defender somewhere, but he just doesn't fit the system we want. And yeah, as Ricky said, he's had a bad week. He's got a good career ahead of him and I'd like him moved on before we ruin it um again for me come to that point that i made about Roden as well that today's game was about making sure that every outfield player and the goalkeeper to some extent was comfortable on the ball and could progress the ball further up the pitch um was comfortable getting into into good positions in front of the ball as well to provide an extra option it's, it's just not his natural game um i mean today is a bit of a freak i think we had 79 percent of the possession today a lot of which would have been in the other team's half which is was a very unique situation so there's not going to be many games where Tanganga's failings are, or weaknesses sorry, are perhaps exposed in the same way that they would be today. But really, you needed a player in that position who was very comfortable with progressing the ball and would be prepared to get in at the back post and would be prepared to provide options going forward. So there are circumstances when I think Tanganga will be useful for the squad. So I thought he he sort of dealt with Lukaku quite manfully in the second half, for instance, on um, on Wednesday night. So I don't think it's the end for him. I, I just think it really wasn't the you know the game where we were going to see the best of him today anyway, particularly in a game that we were chasing for 88 minutes. I admired his courage to come back from what I consider to be a schoolboy error for, for the first goal. And I mean, I thought he showed great fortitude to fight through that because as you did quite rightly say, it has not been the most glorious week for him when it comes to at least semi-direct culpability for a goal conceded. I respect him for that, and I've always respected his attitude. I think he's got a great attitude, and I think he really does do the best he can. But I, I'm firmly with you, Ricky. I think it would be merciful and 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 decent to let him move on. And I actually think that Antonio Conte is going to feel the same way. 
Um, I don't think he's a, a cruel man. I don't think he's going to keep him around. I think he'll be on his way. And I think the other thing is, you know, we're looking for saleable assets. And I think Jaffet, there's a lot of clubs in the Premier League who want him. He's, you know, he's English. Yeah, you know, he's homegrown. He's decent. He's a solid defender. Uh, you know, there's there's half the teams in this league who quite happily start with him week in, week out. Yeah, I mean, in a back four, as uh, if he got a chance to play as a centre-half regularly, week in, week out, I think he could develop into a, into a solid, a solid, you know, upper reaches of the table defender. I don't think he's top four material uh, by any stretch, but I think he's, you know, I think he's going to do well for a side that, you know, they're never they're never going to do much up or down the league either way, but they're always going to be in it. I think he'd be very serviceable. So that's my take. Do you? But do you, by the way, do you uh, give credence to any of the rumours of? Uh, is it is it AC Milan? Juventus. Juventus, I'm sorry. Do we give any credence to the Juventus rumours or is that just someone having a laugh? The other thing I think with Jaffa is, is it might well have to be a team in this country because I've got a feeling he doesn't want to go abroad. I don't, he, I don't. This is really me judging him as a character, but I think he's quite a home person. Didn't we have a, a thing lined up for him Turkey, before? And he just Turkey, wasn't it? To want to go, yeah. And I've got a feeling he just, I don't know why. I just think he's, I've seen some, there's been some, well, all the all or nothing stuff had quite a good feature really on him. really think if the old really lady good. came in for him, he would turn it, come on. I don't know, I just got a feeling. Let's face it, he would have left in the summer if it wasn't for the performance against Man City at right back. Yeah, oh. absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's arguably a performance that talked us out of signing Tommy Asu. I think the feeling was that we were going to yeah. go for him. And then Tanganga puts in this really strong performance against mm. Man City and sure. then does all right against Wolves the week after. Oh, absolutely and, right. And yeah. so- suddenly we were thrown off the scent for that one. Um, I think with Tanganga, name drop alert here, I spoke to David Pleats several months ago and um, he was talking about Tanganga and he said how his, his best asset is as a marker. So as a marker in a back three, I think it's an ideal role for him. So I think a manager that plays that system where that's what they want, that's the predominant quality that they want from one of those defenders is where it's going to suit him the best and that's clearly not ours really we've got six central defenders if you include Davis within that and probably him and Roden are the joint fifth best of those so for him to be playing you need two players to be to be out which is Romero at the moment it's been dire for the last couple of weeks but otherwise he's not going to get a look in and you don't play him at wing back either the the difference is is that Rodon has got a skill set that the other four don't have so I think you know there isn't anyone who can really cover for Dyer whereas Jaffa is in contention with you know, Romero and Sanchez effectively. So I think that's why he's probably the most dispensable out of the centre-backs. And if we bring in a left centre-back, then there isn't a place for him. So I suppose we're coming to the conclusion that he uh, did not do enough today to move the dial either way with regards to how Antonio would see him. And again, remember that we are trying to evaluate not just our own personal opinions, but more importantly, what we think Antonio Conte is thinking after these players' performances yeah. against It's Morgan. a kindness, and Steph. It's it, a kindness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does bring us... Um, well, I'm try, trying not to be heartbreaking. You, you just said it, actually. <laughs> I was trying to avoid the word heartbreak or heartbreaking, but it's just increasingly when I see Delhi's name and when I watch him and when I, I, I can't help... I can't divorce myself from the nostalgia of the Delhi I knew, even though I know that the Delhi I'm seeing is not the Delhi I knew because he's been asked to do different things. And of course, I've been one of the people who argued this on this pod alongside all of you for for, for quite some time. But it's still so hard to see this. And it was hard to watch him today. Look, he's playing in a position which is patently not a position he knows that well. 
And so he's doing a job for the team there. He really is. He's trying. He's trying. I mean, is it even fair to evaluate him on today's performance? Someone help me out here. I'm, I'm sort of floundering because I know he didn't play well today, but I, I can't. But the, I, 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 am I creating mitigating circumstances because it's him? Help me out here. I was thinking about this earlier on, Steph, and I think you're the St. Jude of um, The Game is About Glory. The, <laughs> the Game is About Glory, patron saint of lost causes. <laughs> I, I mean, in this case, I, 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 I will take that on. Yeah, probably I am. I think you're being fair. Yeah. Be, be realistic. Bring me to realism land here. So the question is, is did he improve his prospects at the club today or not? And the answer is no, he didn't. It wasn't a good performance. He was playing out of position. He did try, but he didn't do enough. And I think you know, he's had one good game since Conte came in. I just don't... Th- yeah. I, we've got too many central midfielders for the system we're playing, and we need to raise funds in order to, to buy. And I think he's dispensable. And I'm not sure... You know, We've said a thousand times that we don't think his best position exists anymore. If someone wants to take him, we've got to sell him. Does Conte think the same, anyone? I think so. I think, I think the shame is that when he played against Liverpool, he played in a position which is probably more natural to him, and he played really well. And then since then, we've almost abandoned the system. The only time he started since then was against Southampton, but it was in a different role, and you know, unsurprisingly, he was fairly ineffective. But I'm just thinking, it was it's, it's almost three years to the date. It was We played Fulham on the 20th of January 2019, and he scored an equaliser in that game and then came off with a hamstring injury. And apart from that brief renaissance yeah. he had under Mourinho at the start, we've just never seen it from him. Nailed on. Anything You're like it from him Absolutely right. I remember that injury. I remember that. Yeah, clearly. That's the one where Winksy scored the winner in, uh, in the 93rd minute. Sorry, Ricky, we keep on seeing your hand up and completely ignoring you. <laughs> well, like, like Milo says, I mean, the comment every week is always he has to play out of position. And like, like Milo says, that his ideal position doesn't exist. So by default, every week he's playing out of bloody position, isn't he? So where does that lead to? I mean, unless he learns a new position, which there doesn't be to be many signs of, not to a, the level that might make him a regular starter. So I just... Now it's such a shame with Delhi because he does try hard and without that sounding too, you know... But I do... <laughs> and for some, Everyone loves a trier. <laughs> No, but I know, no, I, I know, I know. We, we joke, all jokes aside, I but know unfortunately, I mean, I, I do envisage him in a black and white striped shirt. I do. Don't think Notts County are going to go in for him. <laughs> you really think that Juventus? You really think Juventus are going to sign him and Tanganga in the same window? That would be fantastic. Oh damn! I forgot about all these other black and white shirts. <laughs> no, he could be. And if. If Newcastle offered us thirty million, we'd sell him definitely. Yes, yeah, so for me, he's, he's wearing Matt Doherty's facial expressions. It's just that forlorn look of what am I doing here? What's what's happening to me? Yeah. What's what, what's going on? Um, and he, yeah, he did try manfully. He had one good moment today when he was playing as the sort of the false nine, and he came short to receive the ball on the edge of the area, and he won a free kick, which Lascelles then played straight into the into the wall. Um, and that's still well, he what he's that good nice, at doing. He, he, he had, had that flick, really great yeah. little flick. That yeah. flick was oh, that, that flick was, but that actually plays into everything that you've been saying about him for for a long time, Milo. Which is he's a player of instinct, you know. And I think you said it as well, Gareth. He's a street footballer, so that's street football right there. That's like magic out of nowhere, you know. Yeah. And uh, but it's not enough. I think he needs a move to restart, kickstart his yeah. career if he can. I don't think yeah, it's going to happen I, I, with I us. Think- 
No, uh, and you know what? Uh, I'll I put my St. Jude um, uh, credentials on, on, on check for a moment and say that I think you're absolutely right. But I will call whoever said it. I think it was you, Gareth. says, I'm going to call you up on this. He could never have a face like, like Doherty because he's a more handsome man than Doherty. It would be impossible. Even in his angriest scowl, Deli Alley looks better than Doherty. Uh, so there we are. Uh, I suppose we are now at closing thoughts, one positive and one negative in 30 seconds. So Milo, kick us off. Nice to have Cess back. I thought he did okay. Yep. Okay. Negative the first 70 minutes. Ricky? My positive is basically the the kids that went today with their parents. I think, you know, the, the junior Spurs, the... Um, Chirpy disciples, they went home not scarred because, you know, it's having your resume that what's the first game you went to to see Tottenham was to be knocked out by Morecambe in the cup. <laughs> you wouldn't be off to a flyer, would you? So, um, yeah. Oh, uh, my negative is just the end and belly thing, really. I think he checked out today. I think that's it for him. Gareth? For, um, a positive, kind of we, we stuck to a plan. We, we, we kept going and eventually the goal came and we avoided what would have been a major embarrassment. For me, the negative is that once again, it shows that we've got a lack of quality. I think once you get beyond our, our best eight or nine players, you, you find that you just can't trust the rest of them to be put together on a team and, and beat even the most basic of opponents. Um, and I, I think it's worrying that we, we've got a lot of games coming up. Um, we're going to have another FA Cup tie against Brighton. We're going to have to put out a full-strength side that's going to have Kane, Son, Lloris, Dyer in there, or else we're going to get knocked out. Yeah, I think all your negatives are ones that I would take on if I'm going to perm off the best of the three I'm going to go with Milo's which is the uh, negative was that first 70 minutes which was appalling uh, in my opinion uh, having said that uh, my positive is and I can't believe we haven't mentioned this Winksy's absolutely superb Brazilian free kick which I don't think any of us thought he meant but which he has quite confidently said he did mean and given that he has scored a goal of similar outrage in his past or outrageousness and denied that he meant that, I think we have to take him at face value. So Harry Winks, take a bow for an absolutely superb free kick and providing, no, just providing a great spark of entertainment for all those kids that you were talking about there. I think it's fair to mention Winks. Actually, that should, as you said, I think that should have been my positive. I thought he was the one player today that's really said to Conte, I'm not in your first 11 at the moment, but I want to be and I should be in it. And I think he's genuinely asked that question now for Wednesday night and particularly for the game next Sunday, that he wants to be in that starting 11. He's given us, I'm sorry, Ricky, I've got to go to it because Gareth has given us the perfect segue into Chelsea part two. Part two of our January triumvirate against Chelsea. We are back. The League Cup semi-final territory at home, 2-0 down at half-time, as we have already discussed, against Chelsea. Can the likes of Harry Winks drag us back to glory and back to our second home of Wembley? Who wants to take that one on? Ricky, go on, I'll shut you off the last time. Well, I bloody hope so, because I, I did actually get a ticket for this one. And this was... If Chelsea had scored a third, I wasn't going to buy one. And then when we got to the <laughs> final... Whistle with two. I thought, that's it. I'm logging on. I'm getting one. Brilliant. And 2-0. We all know what 2-0 is. We get a goal and then the stadium starts rocking. Although, having said that, I've have looked at how many seats have been sold. And I think the South Stand might be rocking, but I'm not quite sure about some other areas. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've got faith in us. I think we'll go strong again in the team. Obviously, Sun can't play. But I think we are better at home. I think, well, I think they said in that last game, I think we've won, Gareth might know this, I think we've won one out of 36 games at Stamford Bridge. Two two in the last 36. 
Well, that's that's pretty good then. Um, so at home, I have faith in us. Yeah, I think we can. I think Chelsea are obviously good. I think Lukaku actually had quite a poor game in the mm-hmm. first game. So if he plays, he might play better. They've lost another full-back, wing-back, whatever you call it. So they're a bit short in that department. But yeah, 2 nils are doable. We can come back from that, even if it's penalties. I'll go for that. Gareth? Yeah. Well, I said we really need to muster the spirit of 2002 when we'd got beaten 2-1 at Stamford Bridge in the first leg and then, of course, tonked them 5-1. Really, it was 5-0 because their, their goal was the last kick of the game um, in the you know in, in the second leg. I'm just trying to put a flip on this because I can't see any way that we win this game. But I'm just trying to think... When we beat Burnley 4-1 in the first leg of the League Cup semi-final in 2009, I can remember saying to someone, guarantee you at some point in the game at Turf Moor, we'll be 2-0 down. And it turned out we were 3-0 down and then did score one right at the end. Um, equally, when we beat Zagreb earlier or last calendar year, we won 2-0 in the first leg very comfortably at home. And you just knew that if we conceded the first goal in Zagreb, we could potentially be in trouble. So I just want to flip that on its head and think if if we were the team, if we'd gone and beaten a team 2-0 at home and we'd been vastly superior to them and we were really bemoaning the fact that we didn't go and win that 3 or 4-0, we'd be really, really anxious. We'd be thinking, just don't concede the first goal. Don't give them anything to go at for the last 25 minutes. So I hope we, we, we can just flip that on its head. What concerns me was Conte's comments after the game. And we, we know that this is a feature of the way that he speaks, that he can be very melodramatic, which can be wrapped up as being realistic as well. But you really hope that the players, if that's the message they're getting, aren't going into this with that defeatist attitude and thinking, well, this game's done and dusted because actually there's no comparison, to use the direct quote, for him. I don't think this Chelsea side is that great. And I think, you know, we're not going to be playing the same defence as we did in the first game. Dyer's going to be back. We're going to be playing a proper left wing back. So I think, you know, immediately the side is looking better. We were saying earlier on, you know, Winks is really staking a claim for a starting position. If we get a goal, we get, you know, there's a chance. It's a tall order, but I think I think we could do it. I think they're there to be, they're there to be taken. I think we'll win the game, but I can't see us winning by three clear goals against Chelsea. I just don't see that. That's the bit that doesn't make sense to me. But I do think we're going to come out of that game with our pride uh, somewhat restored uh, with regards to playing them anyway. Uh, this season so that's my take on it and uh, I think you know look uh, this is not rocket science you'll hear this on a hundred other pods and uh, any one of us could have said it we score in the first 10 or 15 minutes it gets very interesting we score two goals in the first 20 minutes and then you literally do look up to the sky and say huh it might be one of those weird and crazy nights but do you uh, I'll, I'll take two goals in the last in the in the last ten minutes, Steph. If if we haven't conceded sure. before, then that that's fine. That'll do. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So there's yeah. no away goals as well anymore. Mm. No away goals have been no. been taken out of the competition. So you you think? I mean, even if we scored after 75 minutes and gave ourselves 15 minutes, that's going to unnerve them a little and, bit. But and, you and, said it's such, so trite. But scoring the first goal is is so crucial. I think it is Kepa's in goal for them, and I don't think he can have dodgy games sometimes. Mm. So I think it's better than having um Mendy. filling the name with the other Mendy. Keeper. Mendy. It's better than having Mendy in, I think. So there you are. As you drive back from work, as you maybe sit drinking your morning cuppa with your toast, just remember this burst of optimism from the game is about glory when we absolutely smash Chelsea in the second leg and confidently stride forth to Wembley and make the Carabao Cup final. Uh, Which, uh, well, we've, we've actually managed to dud and dust that. But uh, arguably our most important game of the season comes up uh, next Sunday. I, I think this I think this North London derby is 
I mean, we always say this. This is the biggest North London derby in years. This is the biggest North London. This one really is massive because we find ourselves in the um, unlikely position of being behind them in the table, albeit we've got games in hand which would put us over them. I think that makes this a, a huge six-pointer at least. Are we confident? Simple question. And if so, explain why. Milo, I'm going to let you kick this off. Well, we owe them one for the game at their place, which was our worst performance of the season, I think, because I don't count the second string games. <laughs> um, I don't think they're that good. They're on a run of form. They've played, They've been getting some good results, but they're still wobbly. And the good thing about Arsenal is that if they have a bad result, they often go on a little a little run of bad results, get get a bit wobbly. So let's fuck their season for them by uh, giving them a bad result next weekend. Ricky, yeah, I mean it was handy. I mean obviously not all the normal first team players play, but it was handy them getting a little bit of a mm. shoeing from Forest today. That will knock the club back a bit. Um, I don't think defensively not great. I think is is Gabriel out for them? Well, he had the one game yellow. He had the suspension one game, which would have been today. Oh, that counts for the FA Cup, does it? Yeah, I think it does for domestic. Because I think um, Ben White and Rob Holding aren't that great as a partnership, I don't think. I think they're relying a lot on their youngsters, and Mm. fair enough. I mean, a lot of them have really shown up for them this season. We know youngsters can run in and out of form. I don't think Lacazette's have been that great for them because he's the older man up front. Yeah. And, of course, the Bangyang now that he's completely off the radar. Um, we are, I think we are better at home. And I think we have a chance of... Um, I do think we have a chance of dominating them more than they would normally expect. I'm really nervous about this game. I actually think that I think they're I think they're better than we've given them credit for. I think there's I don't know, it's about trusting the process or whatever the project or whatever word it is buzzword that's being used around them. But I think there is something that's happening there. Okay, they they lost at Forest today, which surprised me. But I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, and I think they are desperate for a really big statement away win, which I think would really take the Arteta project on to the next level. I think they got beaten at Man United. They got beaten at a very poor Man United a couple of months ago. Um, they won at Leicester back in back in November. Um, I think they're a decent team. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very fearful of this game. I, I think they could really expose us in some, in, in some areas. I think it's going to come down to Antonio Conte. And what I would really hope to see in this game more than any is for him to uh, get Harry Winks in there alongside Oliver Skip or Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, one of the two. I would like to see us not play with both of those two in the same side for this game. I'd like us to show the intent. I'd like us to show the courage. And I think we are going to be reliant on a player like Steven Bergwijn, for example, to come through and, and, and pull a rabbit out of the hat because we are going to miss Sonny in a big way. And I think he is precisely the sort of player who could do that. So I... I mean, maybe it's my St. Jude half, glass half full patron optimist. I don't know what it is, but I do think that if the manager invests confidence in us as an attacking unit, then I think we have enough to put this game to bed. I think we should be targeting uh, Xhaka because he often shoots himself in the foot. He's a, he's a liability. Um, so I'd be looking for someone to try and wind him up and uh, get him chasing shadows and get himself sent off. And just wondering, he's back in training I'm wondering whether we might see Romero back. That'd be a boost. Be an interesting it? one, wouldn't it? It'd be an It'd interesting be one. I mean, it would, it would be a boost. Yeah, yeah. And because we do, we are, I think that this is a game where if we've got those 
those hard characters and the fiery characters. And I put Harry Winks as a fiery character. I think he likes to get stuck in and I think he likes to not be pushed around. I, I think this is a game. This is a game for those personalities to come to the fore. Their kids are really good. Smith Rowe and um, Saka mm. and they're having yeah. a good season. They're doing a lot better than I think a lot of people expected. Um, I yeah. mean, the good news is that that'll be enough to keep uh, Arteta in a good job and he's not good enough. So that's a positive. <laughs> I think a lot might depend on whether they press us and whether they come after us because they've done that other times and we've all, we've looked at sixes and sevens. But I think we are... It helped massively if Romero's fit or if he could play a part. But I think we are a bit more... We're looking like we're trying to be a bit more press resistant now. We've been a bit more confident about playing passes, not so much in a rushed fashion, as in, in other words, we're quite confident and knocking it quite quickly rather than um, sort of hesitating and panicking. And I think like Milo says, if we then get beyond those front youngsters and then we're on to Xhaka and his party away at the African Cup of Nations, is he? Yeah. I'm not... Tom's party. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure... Yeah, so I'm not sure who else plays in there in the middle with him then. So, um, and as I say, if Holding plays and Ben White plays, and then you know we 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 then move, like we do normally, we move forward with um, Kane and Bergwin and Mora. I think that's massive problems for them basically. So I would like to see us go with intent, and I think if we do, we will win. So I guess I mean I suppose. Look, finally, are we confident? Yes or no, Milo? Um, yeah, both these games this week. I mean, Chelsea are, Chelsea are a lot better than Arsenal, but. You know they're big games. My wife has an expression when you know, I'm watching games. Is it one of the? Is it one of the grumpy games? And th- th- those, <laughs> th- those are the games where I, you know, I don't really want to talk to people afterwards and uh, or, or during and um, can have a face like thunder for days. And this is one. Of, yeah, I've got two grumpy games in a week. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. Confidence. We've got a chance in both of them. You know, I think if we perform, if we play like we did against Liverpool, then we can beat both of these teams. Um, but yeah, I see that games. you're not going. <laughs> I see you still. Yeah, you're not. You're not. You're not going to commit either way, Ricky. I mean, the other point to consider. I think um, they've got obviously now Liverpool either side mm-hmm. of us. The two midweek games, and now they're out of the FA Cup. I presume with that they go stronger in the cup semi final against Liverpool. I, you think you know, so? Rather than play like you'd mm-hmm. think so. So um, I mean, that might help us to give us a little edge because obviously they have that game. Um, but I. I Quietly confident. As you say, Steph, it's a massive game, I think, because like Gareth said, it can be like a statement win for them. But if we go above them and still have the game in hands, that's a dagger in the heart for them, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm not confident. I perhaps never am. Um, but I think home advantage makes me far more confident than I would be if it was being played over at the Death Star. Um, I Yeah. I, I, the good thing is, I, I think whatever happens with the result, if we were to get beaten, there's enough time to recover that throughout the end of the season, particularly with um, with no European football to play. So I'm not quite sure it's the six-pointer that it might be if it was being played on the 16th of April. Um, but yeah, equally, not what I'm confident about. I'll have the final word. I do think we're going to win on Sunday because I think our manager is going to make bloody sure that we do. But thank you very much, lads. That's where we're at. Cheers. Cheers, Steph. Cheers, Steph. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow and say hello. And if you like The Game Is About Glory, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify. As always, thanks for joining us. We hope that you have a fantastic holiday season. I mean, January is the holiday season, right? And I did not just read some old notes, did I? No, I don't think so. And we'll see you next week. Okay, bye-bye.